We are in a, our Christmas series called Christmas Equals. We're looking at what this idea of Christmas equals. Uh, the world tells us that Christmas is about presents. It's about family. It's about holidays. And we want to go back to the Bible and, and, and see what Christmas really equals. Now, I, I love Christmas. There, there are people that don't like Christmas because of the parking and the shopping and, you know, family and whatnot. I love Christmas. I'm a, I'm a big Christmas person. I really do believe that it is the most wonderful time of the year. Um, Google defines joy. And we're going to talk about joy today uh, as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And you know, we come to Christmas and, and there is an expectation of joy. We sing of this word joy. We celebrate. And I wonder how, how much we really understand um, that Christmas really is a time of joy. And if we think back to the Christmas story, was it really a time of joy? And that's what we're going to look at. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. Um, if you have your Bibles, open them up. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 21. We're going to read the Christmas story. We should. It's about Christmas. And we're going to read 1 to 21. And I'm going to, it's on the screen here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Amen. 
Amen. You know, we, we read Christmas and we read this story. Most of us know this story back to front. And, and, and we just assume that it was a great time. We just assume that everything in the Christmas story was hunky-dory, was fantastic, was celebration. But I want to show you, actually, I want to show you today that actually the Christmas story, it, it doesn't actually present the most perfect picture of joy. And, and, and I don't know if, you'll, if you've ever picked these up, but, but I want to give you two reasons why there's reasons not to be joyful about this, okay? Two reasons why there, there shouldn't have been joy at the Christmas story. The first one is this, teenage virgin birth, okay? Now, no one here has teenagers, right? I'm, I'm the closest, right? My oldest, Chris, is 11, okay? Now... If, if one of my children, when they were a teenager, came to me and told me <laughs> that somebody was pregnant, that would be my response. Just ongoing crying. All right? You know, they, they, historically they say Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, would have been about 15 years old, okay? Now, we know Mary as the, the person that was betrothed to the man Joseph. Now, the, the word betrothed, is, it's, it's stronger than the word engagement, but not married yet. So they were promised to each other, and they hadn't had any physical uh, intimacy with each other. Now, the angel turns up to Mary and says, you're going to be pregnant. And you're going to give birth. And Mary asks a very important question. How will this be since I am still a virgin? And the angel says the Holy Spirit is, is going to do it. Now, just pause. I don't think that Mary, at that point in time, would have been, you know, texting her friends saying, OM, you know, God, <laughs> guess what's happened to me today? The greatest news in the world. I'm pregnant, but I'm still a virgin, and I'm betrothed to this man, and I'm 15. You know, I don't know about you, but that does not present to me a picture of great joy. All right, and that's Mary. What about poor brother Joseph? Poor brother Joseph, tell, the Bible tells us that Joseph was a carpenter. He was a righteous man. He, he was a guy that tried to be good, morally good. You know, he was promised to marry, and so he stays committed to her. But then one day, she's like, I'm, I'm pregnant. Now, I, don't, I don't know about you, if, if the person that you were betrothed to that you hadn't had any physical intimacy with, came up and said, I'm pregnant. I'm sure in Joseph's mind, it wouldn't have been joy. His first response wouldn't have been, hallelujah, praise the Lord. See, Mary's pregnancy provided Joseph a very difficult situation because he was a righteous guy. He was a proper guy. 
In Jewish law, right, if you look at the situation, it just looks like Mary got pregnant from someone else, right? She, you know, she just, you know, had an affair with someone else and then she got pregnant. And under Jewish law, the law that, was, uh, that, that Mary and Joseph were both under, Joseph had every right to take Mary to the elders of the church and say, this is the woman that I would betroth to. We haven't had sex, but she's pregnant. And he could have shamed her. And the, the penalty for that is that, that she, she could have been stoned to death. That's the right thing. That's the legal thing under Jewish law. See, that's what Joseph had. He had every right to do that. And yet he chose not to. The Bible tells us he, he decides to quietly divorce her and free her from the promise so that she didn't need to die. Now, another part of the Bible, it tells us that at that time, an angel turns up to Joseph, explains the situation, and he ends up taking Mary to be his wife. How much joy would Joseph have had actually experienced? That's the first reason why it's interesting that we celebrate joy. The second reason that I would think that we read the story is the actual birthing process. Now, my wife literally had a baby eight days ago. It's very fresh in my mind, right? Uh, Luke 2, 6 says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There was no guest room available for them. And so the brand new baby in cloth put him in the feeding trough of animals. Now, I wrote this sermon before we had the baby. And this is what I wrote. I wrote, if this happened to my wife, we turn up to hospital and they say that there is no room, but next door is a pet barn. And you can put your brand new baby. Now, I wrote this before we had the baby. And what was really funny was we actually got to the hospital and all the birthing suites were full. And I thought, this is interesting. So there's birthing suites, the room where you actually have the baby. They've got apparatuses to help you have the baby. They've got, you know, the, 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 the gas to help you. They've got, you know. But it was full because there were so many other women having babies. And so they, they quietly ushered Mel and myself off to just the normal room. And they were like, oh, just wait here and then we'll get a room, you know, we'll empty one out and then you can go in. And, and Mel beat all of them. She had the baby in the room. Now, as said, it's, it's not that we're angry or anything. It's just a very interesting that it happened like that. Like, no mother, like, you know, if you were to go one more step, if you turned up and, and you know, for the mums that have had babies and, you know, the, the ladies that will have babies later, if you turn up to hospital ready to have a baby, you're having contractions, you're in labour and the hospital says, oh, we're really sorry, we have no room, but here's a car park or here's a garage. And that, that's not like, you, you're not going like, woo, that's awesome. You know, I'm so excited. 
You know, I, I think we forget this part of the story. We, we forget these parts of the story of the birth of Jesus. And we just go, wow, Jesus was born. Celebration. High five to Jesus, everyone, you know. But there are moments in this story where we're like, wow, how is it? How is it joyful that a teenage virgin is going to give birth in the monk's animals? How is that joyful? But what I want to show you is that joy is beyond situation and circumstance. And that's why we relate Christmas to joy. And there are three reasons why there is joy. Sorry, four reasons why we, we celebrate the joy of Christmas. And they're all found in verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The first reason why Christmas equals joy is this. A Savior has been born to you. A Savior is a person that rescues another from danger. It's someone that saves. If Jesus is the Savior, what's the danger then? What's the danger that Jesus was born for to save us from? And the danger is the broken relationship that man had with God. It's the sin that keeps creation away from the Creator. Now, why is that a dangerous situation? Why is that a problematic situation? Because underneath that broken relationship with God, if that continues to go on, once we die eternally, that's what we will live in. An eternal broken relationship with God. If we choose to, to live life without God, then God will allow that for all eternity. An eternity in the absence of God. And we call that hell. See, that's the danger. An existence without God. But a Savior, a Savior was born, someone to save you. Jesus was a Savior. That's why there's joy, because the hero of the story has come onto the scene. The second reason why Christmas equals joy is because Jesus is the Messiah. Everyone say Messiah. Messiah means anointed one, but more specifically for God's people in the Old Testament, the Messiah was the expected king of the Davidic line who would deliver Israel from foreign bondage and restore Israel back into relationship with God. Why is this joyful? Why is this joyful? It's because the birth of Jesus was the answer to God's promises. The Old Testament talks about this moment where a Messiah would come to save God's people. This is what all the prophecies of the Old Testament were pointing towards. It's what Israel was waiting for. And finally, at Christmas, he came. It's like children who wait for their Christmas presents. Waiting, they know it's coming, they know it's coming, they know it's coming, and they wait for that Christmas day because they know on that day they can open those presents. There is great joy. There's great pain in the waiting, but there is great joy when that day comes. The Messiah is finally here. 
There is great joy because Jesus is the Messiah. Thirdly, there is great joy because Jesus is Lord. Everyone say Lord. A Lord is a person who has authority, control, and power over others. A person who is a leader or has great influence. This is who Jesus was. Now, of course, at this time when, when baby Jesus is lying in a manger, no one's really thinking, well, you know, this baby's going to do something. But if we go back to the Old Testament, this is what the angels and the prophets were saying. This is what the angels were singing about. See, we need to understand that Jesus wasn't just a hero to come. He wasn't just a good person to come and help the poor and the sick. Jesus is the one who is authority over nature and creation and has the power to break the bondage of sin. Jesus didn't come. We don't celebrate the joy of Christmas because Jesus came to make your life better. We celebrate the joy of Christmas because Jesus, the Son of God, came to save us from our sins, to do something that we could not do, and provide us a way back to God the Creator. You think about everything broken in this world. You think about all the chaos, the wars in this world. You think about everything sinful and shame, shameful in your life. And you need to understand that Jesus has power over all. He has authority over all. Now, don't downplay this one. Don't downplay this. I, I think we downplay this a lot. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, came to save us. Amen. Hallelujah. No, everything that is broken in this world comes underneath the authority of Jesus. He has the authority to fix everything. That's why there's great joy. Because not only is he going to save you, not only is he promised to you, but he's here to redeem the world. And he's going to reign once again. Finally, he's here for all people. The Jewish people would have recognized that the prophecies of salvation were for the Jews. And there would have been much celebration and joy even in the Jewish community. But we know that Jesus didn't just come to be born and to die on the sin for the Jewish people. But he came to save all people, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles, including each and every one of us. This is the reason why there is joy. See, even if Jesus was Messiah, Savior, and Lord, if he's not for that, for all the people, then there is no joy for us. If he's just that for the Jewish people, why would we be joyful? Why would there be joy for us? There wouldn't be. But it's not. Jesus came for all, including people like you and I. So the four reasons why there is great joy, why Christmas is joy, is because Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is for all people. So how do we respond? How do you respond to such joy? 
There are two responses that we see in this passage that I think that we can learn from in the way that we need to respond. And one of them is not, wow, that's great news, let's get on with my life. I believe something that is so great is demands a response. It demands a response. There are two responses. Firstly, we see the response of the shepherds. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The, the, the response of the shepherds is an explosive response of joy. It's explosive. They can't contain themselves. And why wouldn't they? The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord had finally come. A a choir of angels turned up to tell them. They went to this farm and they found baby Jesus in the manger. And they were just, it was just too much. They had seen it for themselves. They had seen it with their own eyes. Their level of excitement had gone through the roof. They couldn't contain it. So what did they do? They just told everyone. 35 years ago, my father received, I'm going to say, the second best news in his life, or maybe the third. The first would have been that Jesus loves him. The second would have been my mum saying yes. And the third, most important news that he received 35 years ago was that his first child was born. That was me. (laughs) My parents tried to conceive for five years. That's a long time. And uh, they actually thought that they couldn't conceive. Um, And I remember my dad was telling me that he had gotten to the point where he kind of accepted the fact that, okay, you know, maybe no kids are on the plan for us. And then a miracle child appeared. I'm not going to say they're not my words, okay? My mom uses those words, okay? So my mum has this baby, right, in Camperdown. And um, my dad, he, he turns up hospital, sees the baby, obviously so excited. You know, he doesn't have any family here. You know, they've been trying for five years, and finally the son that he wanted, the son that he desired turned up. And so what does he do? This is back in the pre-mobile phone days of just home phones. Do you guys know what a home phone is? Okay. You guys know what a landline is? Okay. Anyway, it's a, it's a phone that's, that's got a cord and it's connected into your house. You can Google it. My dad had a little address book, a little phone number book, and he literally started at A and he called one person, second person, third person, flipped the page, fourth he literally went through his address book, every single person he knew in Sydney, which wouldn't have been that many people, and he called every single person to let them know that his son was born. Now, he was so excited. He couldn't contain himself. My mum was not excited because all these people that my dad started to call started to turn up to the hospital. And we had the, the whole Korean community in the hospital for, for a few days. 
You know, if it's that joyful, if it's that exciting, you can't contain it. Something happens to you that, that, is, that is explosively joyful. You, you can't contain it. You know, when we had our baby uh, eight days ago, oh, I, just itching to tell everyone, itching to tell the kids and itching to tell my parents, just itching, just itching, itching. That's what joy does. See, that's, that's a natural response to joy. If it's that joyful, You'll tell people. On Facebook, just this weekend, right? You know, you see all sorts of things on Facebook, right? Like you see like, oh, here's the burrito that I ate for lunch. You know, that's not that joyful. But once in a while, you see joyful news. Engagements, weddings, babies, cricket. You know, you see, you see these joyful things and there is just excitement that leads to excitement that leads to excitement. I wonder if this Christmas, that's your response. And I want to challenge you. Maybe it's been a while since you've responded at Christmas like that. You know, how many times are we more excited about the presents that we buy or we receive from each other rather than celebrating what Jesus' birth was all really about. This Christmas, I want to challenge you. If you really find Christmas joyful, tell someone. Tell someone that doesn't know about Jesus who Jesus is. Why do we celebrate Christmas? You know, there's a famous line, right? You can't have Christmas without Christ. Tell someone. Tell a neighbor. Invite them over for Christmas lunch or Christmas dinner and tell them about Jesus. Why you're celebrating. Why it's so exciting. Share the joy. I believe that's the first response that we're called to have when we experience this joy. But there's also a second response that we see, and it's the response of Mary the mother of Jesus. And we see it in verse 19. But Mary, unlike the shepherds, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. See, I think there are two responses to joy. There is an explosive external response, but also there is an inner joy, an inner response that each and every one of us can have. Mary's response was not to call people, was not to shout and scream. It was a silent, reflective response. And I wonder, maybe that's also a way that we can respond this Christmas to Christmas joy. To have a moment for ourselves to really ponder. If Jesus really is your Lord, Messiah, and Savior, to really take a moment and really think about what does that mean for me? How does that change my life? I think sometimes we can get too caught up in the festives of the season and forget the real reason of joy. 
But why don't you this Christmas take a moment to really think about what the celebration is all about? Eternal life, restoration and reconciliation with God, life to the fullest, and all of this because of the birth of Jesus. I pray that this Christmas, that it would be filled with joy, but not just the superficial joy of holidays and giving and receiving of presents and family meals, but the joy of Christmas that comes from knowing that Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah, was born on that day and that you and I would, re- would respond by taking moments to reflect but also to share this joy with others. Amen? Let's pray.